are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. All right, before we begin, let us pray. Father God, I give thanks. I just ask that my words be your words, my thoughts be your thoughts. Open the, the hearts and the minds of those here today for your message. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. There are many paradoxes within the Christian faith. A paradox is a statement or proposition, despite sound reasoning from acceptable premise, leads to a conclusion that seems senseless, illogical. When we begin to look at who Jesus was and who he is, and ultimately what he did, Jesus is nothing short of a paradox. The same is true about the topic we'll be discussing today, and that's loneliness in today's digital age. Now, the reason I've attached the last part, the digital age part, is because of this paradox, this idea that social media is bringing people closer together. Now, before I go on to the next part, please understand that there might be one or two of you here that'll be offended today. And for this, I'm grateful. Some of the greatest messages that I've ever been part of or ever heard have at first offended me, have challenged my way of thinking, my life, my actions. And we know that Jesus, when he was here, was greatly offensive. If you get offended, please stay. Please pray. Please reflect in God's word and through his spirit. Remember that in 2 Timothy it says, all scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So before we go on to the main point, we need, to, we need a measuring stick for today's message. We need to know where we are and where we plan on going. Now, as Christians, we're all here on a journey. And we have a map, and that's God's word. We have our guide. It's his spirit. And we have our hope that is to be eternally with our Father in heaven. And like any long journey, we need to remember where we've been, where we are, and which way to go. So in terms of loneliness, that is what I hope through God's word and spirit today to point out, sadly, many in our culture that's outside of the church and within the church are going the wrong way. So where are we? Well, we as Christians live in the developed Western world. And I think in the Western world, we have a little bit of arrogance here. I love cooking shows. I'm a bit of a foodie. And I love watching Anthony Bourdain. He has a show called No Reservations. He's also on CNN. One of his shows, he went to Mozambique. And Anthony came to the sad realization that most of the people there eat cassava root. Now, if you don't know what cassava root is, it's a very high drought-tolerant root. has zero protein. It's high in carbohydrates. But um, one in 14 people in the world eat cassava root solely. That's all they eat. Now, on the Mozambique episode, Anthony Bourdain visits a large community, and they're having a birthday party. And they've decided that for this birthday party and the fact that Anthony Bourdain is coming to visit, that they're going to kill a goat. It's this big, big thing. And what Anthony Bourdain says, and again, please don't take offense to this, he says, what proponents of vegetarianism and veganism don't realize is most of the world is, in fact, vegetarian. And they're not too freaking happy about it. And it's a very, very poignant point that I'll, I'll bring in right away. But as a vegetarian, if there's any vegetarians here, I'm not picking on you. 
I do realize the harsh realities of today's commercialization and industrialization of food, namely meat in our culture, the necessity and benefit of buying locally and non-genetically modified food. Having done the Daniel fast here, I understand the importance of eating vegetables and how it makes my body feel, and that we should be eating more vegetables. However, what Anthony Bourdain is speaking of here can be said for many things in our Western culture. What he's implying is, is that in our culture, it's easy to be vegetarian. It's easy. It's hard for them because they only eat cassava root. Here, at any point, we can go to a store and we can get pre-made vegetarian and vegan meals and we can eat like kings. It's different than it is in the third world. You see, in order to get to the root of today's message on loneliness, we need to critically think about ourselves within our own culture. You see, we're spoiled. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job, move to the third world, or send all your money to Africa. And though I'm called to be radical by Jesus in my culture, I don't think he wants us to do that quite yet. What I want you to do is reflect a bit at this scale, at the ruler of our lives, and those directly and more importantly, indirectly around us. Understand that being a vegetarian in our culture is easy. But do you know what else is easy in our culture? Is being a Christian. The example about Casper root is the same when it comes to our faith. Look around you. We have the ability to seek God like few others in this world. Our faith has become easy and we take it for granted sometimes. I think God has somewhat been a convenience for us. It's not something that we rely on him totally in all of our life. We have this Western arrogance that you know what? We're in the developed world, we're educated. What, we, what can we possibly learn from a poverty-stricken nation that just eats cassava root? The other danger in our culture is our av availability and access information. Our culture has this false sense of wisdom because we can quickly reference everything from God's word to wiki how to unclog a toilet. I don't need a plumber. I have YouTube. I don't need God. I have an app for that. Suri, can you please find Moses parts of the Red Sea? In Nevada, I don't know if you guys know this, in Nevada, one of the newest crazes is that they're building these massive huge houses, right, with a laundry room on each floor because People don't want to be carrying laundry up and down the floors. These huge homes are pulling people apart instead of pulling people together. And yet we see the Mozang beep people living in a one-room house, just constantly interacting. The underdeveloped countries do things extremely different, mostly because if they don't, they'll die. In Mozambique and many other Christian communities in the developed world, they pray for rain for their crops. We have irrigation. They pray for a medical miracle for their sons and daughters, for illnesses that we sometimes can simply go to Shopper's Drug Mart for, for the remedy. They pray they have the strength to walk the 10 kilometers for water and bring it on their backs to their village. Yet I walk 10 feet to a water fountain. They need God. They pray to God. They put their lives in God's hands daily. Yet I have everything from Citibank to lend me money to shelters and programs to provide me the basic necessities. We've removed God from our culture while they rely on their father daily. So let me sum it up. We become convoluted, arrogant, and seemingly busy to God and act on his behalf in our culture because we believe we are wise, but we aren't. We own two SUVs that can get us to a soccer practice across a river through a jungle. I've seen the commercials. We have maids and devices that clean things for us. We have 3,000 channels of information and are constantly connected via cell phone, computer, or tablet to get everything from what God says about your life to what Joan Rivers says not to wear. We think we're busy, but we aren't. We think we're wise, but we just have access to information. And we think we're connected, but we're disconnected. And yet it all seems so deceptive. 
So to battle loneliness, we need the most important tool. We need wisdom to see these things for what they are, the forest for the trees. So what does the Bible say about wisdom? Well, it says a lot. It says in Job 12, 12, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? How many of us here are older and looking at how the world has changed, perhaps shaking your head? How many young people think that the elders had it wrong and we have it right? God realizes the wisdom found in your journey with him, that your journey gives you wisdom because you're doing it with your father. It's not particularly an age thing, but a sense of spiritual maturity that oftentimes reflects a person's age. Psalms 37 says, The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. You see, here we see a correlation between righteousness and wisdom, and that they go hand in hand. Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now that's what I was talking about, this foolishness and arrogance due to our access to information, and not because of our relationship with God. Now, there are many more passages on wisdom, but we need to be wise to not only battle loneliness, but we need daily wisdom for our journey with God towards our own righteousness, because righteousness cannot be attained without the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that humility is the opposite of the arrogance that I was speaking of, that I don't need God, or I will let him know when I need him. So that was the prelude of my message on loneliness. So the question I have for you is why does it seem like our culture is lonely, or that there's seemingly more people that are lonely. I began with the paradox of social media in that video that I showed you, that it doesn't bring people closer. In my prelude, we can see that we live in a culture of abundance, not only abundance in our time, but with our amount of access. We have access to all the answers and time to really delve into it, but it seems that we continue down the same path. Social media, like everything mentioned above, is a paradox. Like everything mentioned earlier, we have every type of food available to us, but we see it being misused from obesity to anorexia. We have this abundance of information. I mean, you can get books and audio file or download to your tablet from C.S. Lewis to Francis Chan. But yet people seem more interested in getting the best possible resolution on Monday night for Dancing with the Stars. We know the person in the office that we share a work cubicle with might live down the street. And instead of carpooling with them, we think, well, what if I want to go somewhere else for lunch? Or what if I have to get up early? And finally, my point, I have a thousand friends on Facebook, but yet I feel so lonely. My main idea for today's message was for clarity, for you to see things the way the Father does. What he has shown me is a broken, arrogant culture that really needs God now more than ever. But we're so caught up in making ourselves God. You see what I'm getting at? There's something going on, and I see it all around me, and it pains me, and I know that it pains God. You need to ask yourself, do you believe this is an issue? You could be thinking, you know what? Ray doesn't know what he's talking about. People aren't lonely. Here's what I do know. I do know that youth suicide is on the rise. I know that women are having more children on their own because of a lack of authentic men in our culture, and during the child-rearing times, they're finding themselves broken and lonely. Due to spouses working two jobs, sometimes children don't even get to spend time with their mom and dad together anymore, experiencing loneliness that way. And most importantly, affirmation, that is where people find their own personal worth, can be seen in our culture coming from ideals and actions that in themselves offer disconnection from alcoholism and drug use 
to video games and pornography, devices that don't outwardly seem to aid in loneliness, but at their roots disconnect people from family, friends, our world, and ultimately God. I wrote this in this morning because I was praying about it, and it says that Satan is like a roaring lion walking this earth looking for people to devour. Lions in the wild go after the sick, the lame, and the young. And when we're in a place of brokenness, when we're in a place of loneliness, we become vulnerable to the enemy. Because Satan doesn't seem to really attack us when we're a body of believers in here as much as he does individually when you're in a place of loneliness and brokenness. So let's get into scripture as to why loneliness exists and what's going on. The devil is really good sometimes at what he does. And the reason why is because he knows God's word. So, like we see every time our enemy speaks in the Bible, if you look at the book of Genesis, the first thing Satan always does is he questions God's word. There's always a question mark. God didn't really say that, did he? And then what he says is he denies God's word. From the beginning, God knew that it would not be good for us to be alone. You see, loneliness is counterintuitive to really everything in the Bible. Namely, God being a present father, wanting a relationship with us, all the time. That, my friend, is the polar opposite of loneliness. But you see, something must be wrong because the world is lonely. So it is either wrong on God's side, which is highly doubtful, or we're doing something wrong. So as I said from the beginning, God has been dealing with our loneliness. It says in Genesis, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. In Isaiah, it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When we meditate on what Christ did on the cross, we lament at his loneliness from his disciples sleeping in the garden while he prayed to them running away from him as the Roman guards came to Peter's denial of Christ. And finally, the ultimate affliction of loneliness, which we will never ever experience here, thankfully, was Christ on the cross, feeling the absence of his Father, and him saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabbatnai, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I got to have dinner with a priest years ago, and while he was in school, he had to do a, like a final kind of thesis thing, but it was an action, like he didn't have to write it, and he wanted to uh, be uh, homeless for six months. I think it was in Toronto. And his professor and uh, the faculty was against it because, of course, the dangers in that. But he did it anyway. And I asked him, I said, what was the hardest part of that? Because that fascinated me to do something as bold like that. And he said it wasn't him being hungry, the fact that he had to go through garbage and, and find food. It wasn't the fact that he was cold because he slept outside. He said it was loneliness. Because there were times where he tried to converse with someone or ask someone for money, and they would act like he was never even there. He said he felt like a ghost in today's world because it was like no one else knew that he was even there. So God knows how important it is that we're not alone, that we do not experience loneliness. However, so does our enemy. But like Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We need to be aware of the enemy's schemes when it comes to loneliness. Now, I'm sure some of you are thinking, that, who does Ray think I am? Of course I know that. 
Texting isn't the same as being with someone. Then my question is this, why are we not acting on it? If you have a friend on Facebook that is going through a medical crisis, why not meet with them for, for prayer? Or if they're far away on the telephone? Or how about people going through a separation? You see a relationship status change on Facebook. What do you do? The connection of social media is disconnecting us socially. Because of social media, we're becoming disconnected to the things around us, therefore either directly or indirectly, aiding towards a disconnected society. This is a, it's a sad story. Years ago, we did a Bible study in my home and uh, had a whole bunch of people there. And my wife signed me up for curling. I hate curling. I, want to curl, I have a trophy in my grandma's garage. It's massive for curling. I'm a good curler. I can't stand curling, but I love my wife, so there's the conundrum. So my wife said, uh, she goes, listen, I, I like to do curling. So we sign, I sign her up for curling, and we go every Friday, right? And it's cold, and you're throwing rocks, and whatever. So anyway, uh, there's a rule. Uh, if you have to miss curling, you have to call all the people that, that are playing uh, and let them know that you have to reschedule or so forth. So I'm having this Bible study, and the phone rings. And there's a woman on the, on the phone. She sounds... Uh, very angry. And she says, listen, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, I don't know who this woman is. She goes, uh, we're not going to be able to curl tomorrow night, so I'm just phoning to let you know. I see it. And I'm thinking, yes, I don't have to go curling, right? And I said, oh yeah, that's fine. And she goes, listen, I know it's important to people. People paid a lot of money, but everybody's very, very upset and I don't really care. I said, oh, well, all right, that's fine, right? And she says, I'm just letting you know because I just found out moments ago that my father died. And she goes, I've never felt so alone. And, and I'm phoning people, and people are upset because I'm canceling curling, so I could care less what you think. And I was like, oh my goodness. I said, listen, I'm sorry. I said, I'm having a Bible study here right now. And I said, I, I would love to pray for you. And there was that long pause. And then she just broke, and she said, I just phoned all these people and even talked to my family, and no one offered that. And so I put her on speakerphone, and, and we're there, and I explained to everybody. And we prayed for her. And I remember going to curling. I mean, she saw me from across the way. I don't know how she knew it was me. And she ran up, and she threw her arms around me. And she thanked me because she was in that place of loneliness. And she needed that then. And the video kind of encompasses that how many people we come across in our lives where maybe they're going through something similar, but we're so caught up in our own world that we forget to look up and look around us. Are we interacting more or less with each other within our culture? These huge homes, our many vehicles, our electronic devices, are they really cultivating a culture God would be proud of? Or as a loving parent would want us to change? Our Western arrogance allows us to mock and oppose other nations, yet many places in the world, people live in one-room homes, definitely smaller homes which bring people closer together. Families don't move away, they're dependent on one another, grandparents living with their children and their children's children, an abstract and rare idea here in the West. I don't know how many women are looking at their husbands saying, listen, your mom cannot come and live with us. Okay. <laughs> right. The message today isn't supposed to make you upset, but to give you perspective about your life. What I mentioned earlier, a ruler, a measuring device for this truth, that we don't have to be lonely. We need to be good stewards over all that we have. Use the things for what they were meant for and not take them for granted. We need to get back to building relationships beginning with our own families. Start connecting, turning things off, talking to one another instead of just sharing a post. We need to start liking less 
and loving more. In our culture of abundant success, we need to love more. A click of a mouse button is easy, but loving someone is much harder. Love takes passion, sacrifice, and work, and it is never lonely and always present. Yet in our world, people are lonely and people are experiencing love less and less. Uh, Ten years ago, I was posted to one air maintenance squadron on base and our supply tech, uh, wonderful lady, went away to go to Ontario to bury her father. And as she was there burying her father, her 14-year-old son she left here in the care of her sister, which was his aunt. And as she's sitting down with the lawyer discussing what's left over from the inheritance, she gets a call because the aunt came home and found that the 14-year-old had taken his life. People in our culture think different things about suicide. I, and this is my own personal belief, I don't believe people kill themselves because they want to die. I believe they kill themselves because they're lonely and want to stop feeling pain. And I can't imagine the amount of loneliness that boy felt to come to that place. Perhaps a telephone call would have helped, the rub on the back, something may have changed that young man's life forever. And the sad realization is perhaps there is someone here today like this or someone just within your reach. The number one way to crush loneliness is with this amazing truth that we're never ever truly alone. We forget this though, I forget this. Saturday mornings I get up, I make a cup of coffee, the house is quiet, the kids are in bed. And do I go pray? Do I spend time with God and put money into our relationship piggy bank? Nope. I check my Facebook status. I do. And in my house, patiently, lovingly, God waits for me. He waits for my scraps and my leftovers. And people in our world are like that too. Parents, siblings, whomever. We see people all around us sometimes in tears and we wonder what's going on in their life. And we move on. Yet when tragedy strikes, we feel alone and we call out to God. And he is there every single day time. To battle loneliness, you or others, you need to be reminded that God is ever-present. But it is easier seen when things are turned off. He said this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. To close the door means, in this case, secret, that no one sees you, but I can't help but also read into that, that it's a quiet and secluded place free of MTV and Twitter. If you are here today and are experiencing loneliness, I invite you to come up today for prayer. If you want prayer for wisdom, to see those around you that need to hear the loving message of Christ, to empower you to reach those broken people, then come up for prayer. If you want prayer for anything, I'd love to pray for you. And if you know someone here that needs prayer, please pray for them. Touch them, hug hug them, hold them. These things really do help in reminding people that we're part of something so much bigger, the eternal kingdom of God. His family, his kids, we're commanded this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you would just love one another. If you'll join me in prayer. Father God, I give thanks 
I give thanks to your love letter, your word for our lives. And I just ask for all the hearts and minds here that you just pour into them your spirit and remind them that we're never, ever alone. That at any point, in any time, anywhere in the world, that you are there with us, that you're going through things with us, that you understand what we're going through, and that we can come to you and lean on you. And Father, for those people here experiencing loneliness, I just ask that you put people into their lives and situation in their lives to draw and pull them into an everlasting and more secure and loving relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.